0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joy Chan, "The Romance of Tristan and Isolde." By Joseph Bedier, translated by H. Belloc. Part the third, The Death of Tristan. When he was come back to Brittany to Cahe, it happened that Tristan. "'riding to the aid of Caedin, his brother in arms, "'fell into ambush, and was wounded by a poisoned spear. "'And many doctors came, but none could cure him of the ill. "'And Tristan weakened and paled, and his bones showed. "'Then he knew that his life was going and that he must die, "'and he had a desire to see once more assault the fair. "'But he could not seek her, for the sea would have killed him in his weakness. "'And how could assault come to him? "'And sad,' and suffering the poison, he awaited death. He called Kaedin secretly to tell him his pain, for they loved each other with a loyal love, and as he would have no one in the room save Kaedin, not even in the neighbouring rooms, sort of the White Hands began to wonder. She was afraid and wished to hear, and she came back and listened at the wall by Tristan's bed, and as she listened, one of her maids kept watch for her. Now within... Tristan had gathered up his strength and had half-risen, leaning against the wall, and Chaedin wept beside him. They wept their good comradeship, broken so soon, and their friendship. Then Tristan told Chaedin of his love for that other Isolt and of the sorrow of his life. "'Fair friend and gentle,' said Tristan, "'I am in a foreign land where I have neither friend nor cousin save you, "'and you alone in this place have given me comfort. "'My life is going.' and I wish to see once more assault the fair. Ah, did I but know of a messenger who would go to her, for now I know that she will come to me. Caedin, my brother in arms, I beg it of your friendship. Try this thing for me, and if you carry my word, I will become your liege, and I will cherish you beyond all other men. And as Caedin saw Tristan broken down, his heart reproached him, and he said, Fair comrade, do not weep. I will do what you desire, even if it were risk of death, I would do it for you. Nor no distress nor anguish will let me from doing it according to my power. Give me the word you send, and I will make ready. And Tristan answered, Thank you, friend. This is my prayer. Take this ring. It is a sign between her and me. And when you come to her land, pass yourself at court for a merchant, and show her silk and stuffs, but make so that she sees the ring for then she will find some ruse by which to speak to you in secret. Then tell her that my heart salutes her. Tell her that she alone can bring me comfort. Tell her that if she does not come, I shall die. Tell her to remember our past time and our great sorrows, and all the joy there was in our loyal and tender love. And tell her to remember that draft we drank together on the high seas. For we drank our death together. Tell her to remember the oath I swore to serve a single love, for I have kept that oath. But behind the wall, Isolt of the white hands heard all these things. And Tristan continued, Hasten, my friend, and come back quickly, or you will not see me again. Take forty days for your turn, but come back with Isolt the fair. And tell your sister nothing, or tell her that you seek some doctor. Take my fine ship, "'and two sails with you, one white, one black. "'And as you return, if you bring usalt, hoist the white sail, "'but if you bring her not, the black. "'Now I have nothing more to say, but God guide you and bring you back safe.'" With the first fair wind Caden took the open, weighed anchor and hoisted sail, and ran with a light air and broke the seas. They bore rich merchandise with them, dyed silks of rare colours, ENAMEL OF TERRAIN, AND WISE OF Poitou, FOR BY THIS RUSE CAIDIN THOUGHT TO REACH ISOLT. EIGHT DAYS AND NIGHTS THEY RAN FULL SAIL TO CORNWALL. NOW A WOMAN'S WRATH IS A FEARFUL THING, AND ALL MEN FEAR IT, FOR ACCORDING TO HER LOVE, SO WILL HER VENGEANCE BE, AND THEIR LOVE AND THEIR HATE COME QUICKLY, BUT THEIR HATE LIVES LONGER THAN THEIR LOVE, AND THEY WILL MAKE PLAY WITH LOVE, BUT NOT WITH HATE. So we sought of the white hands, who had heard every word, and who had so loved Tristan, waited her vengeance upon what she loved most in the world. But she hid it all, and when the doors were open again, she came to Tristan's bed, and served him with food as a lover should, and spoke him gently, and kissed him on the lips, and asked him if Caden would soon return with one to cure him. But all day long she thought upon her vengeance. And Caedin sailed and sailed, till he dropped anchor in the haven of Tintagel. He landed and took with him a cloth of rare dye and a cup well chiseled and worked, and made a present of them to King Mark, and courteously begged of him his peace and safeguard, that he might traffic in his land. And the king gave him his peace before all the men of his palace. Then Caedin offered the queen a buckle of fine gold, and, Queen, said he, the gold is good. Then taking from his finger Tristan ring. HE PUT IT SIDE BY SIDE WITH THE JEWEL AND SAID, SEE, O QUEEN, THE GOLD OF THE BUCKLE IS THE FINER GOLD, YET THAT RING ALSO HAS ITS WORTH. WHEN Isolt SAW WHAT THAT RING WAS, HER HEART TREMBLED AND HER COLOUR CHANGED, AND FEARING WHAT MIGHT NEXT BE SAID, SHE DREW CAIDAN APART NEAR a WINDOW, AS IF TO SEE AND BARGAIN THE BETTER, AND CAIDAN SAID TO HER LOW DOWN, LADY, TRISTAN IS WOUNDED OF A POISONED SPEAR, AND IS ABOUT TO DIE. HE sends YOU WORD THAT YOU ALONE CAN BRING HIM COMFORT, AND RECALLS TO YOU THE GREAT SORROWS THAT YOU BORE TOGETHER. KEEP YOU THE RING. IT IS YOURS. BUT ISOLT ANSWERED, WEAKENING, FRIEND, I WILL FOLLOW YOU. GET READY YOUR SHIP TOMORROW AT DAWN. AND ON THE MORROW AT DAWN THEY RAISED ANCHOR, STEPPED MAST, AND HOISTED SAIL, AND HAPPILY THE BARK LEFT LAND. BUT AT CAHE TRISTAN LAY AND LONGED FOR ISOLT'S COMING. Nothing now filled him any more, and if he lived it was only as awaiting her. And day by day he sent watchers to the shore to see if some ship came, and to learn the colour of her sail. There was no other thing left in his heart. He had himself carried to the cliff on the penmarks where it overlooks the sea, and all the daylight long he gazed far off over the water. Here now a tale most sad and pitiful to all who love. Already was salt near, already the cliff of the penmarks showed far away, and the ship ran heartily, when a storm-wind rose on a sudden and grew, and struck the sail, and turned the ship all round about. And the sailors bore away, and sore against their will they ran before the wind. The wind raged, and big seas ran, and the air grew thick with darkness, and the ocean itself turned dark, and the rain drove in gusts. The yard snapped and the sheet. They struck their sail and ran with wind and water. In an evil hour they had forgotten to haul their pinnace aboard. It leapt in their wake, and a great sea broke it away. Then Isolt cried out, God does not will that I should live to see him, my love, once, even one time more. God wills my drowning in this sea. O Tristan, had I spoken to you but once again, it is little I should have cared for a death come afterwards. But now, my love, I cannot come to you, for God so wills it, and that is the core of my grief. And thus the queen complained so long as the storm endured. But after five days it died down. Caedin hoisted the sail, the white sail, right up to the very masthead with great joy, the white sail that Tristan might know its colour from afar. And already Caedin saw Brittany far off like a cloud. Hardly were these things seen and done when a calm came, and the sea lay even and untroubled. The sail bellied no longer, and the sailors held the ship now up, now down, the tide beating backwards and forwards in vain. They saw the shore afar off, but the storm had carried their boat away, and they could not land. On the third night Isolt dreamt this dream, that she held in her lap a boar's head, which befouled her skirts with blood. Then she knew that she would never see her lover again alive. Tristan was now too weak to keep his watch from the cliff of the Penmarks, and for many long days, within walls, far from the shore, he had mourned for Isolt because she did not come. Dolorous and alone, he mourned and sighed in restlessness. He was near death from desire. At last the wind freshened, and the white sail showed. Then it was that Isolt of the white hands took her vengeance. She came to where Tristan lay, and she said, "'Friend, Caerden is here. "'I have seen his ship upon the sea. "'She comes up hardly, yet I know her. "'May he bring that which shall heal thee, friend.' "'And Tristan trembled and said, "'Beautiful friend, you are sure that the ship is his indeed. "'Then tell me, what is the manner of the sail?' "'I saw it plain and well. "'They have shaken it out and hoisted it very high, "'for they have little wind. "'For its colour, why, it is black.' And Tristan turned him to the wall and said, I cannot keep this life of mine any longer. He said three times, Isolt, my friend. And in saying it the fourth time, he died. Then throughout the house the knights and the comrades of Tristan wept out loud, and they took him from his bed and laid him on a rich cloth, and they covered his body with a shroud. But at sea the wind had risen, It struck the sail fair and full, and drove the ship to shore, and assault the fair set foot upon the land. She heard loud mourning in the streets, and the tolling of bells in the minsters and the chapel towers. She asked the people the meaning of the knell and of their tears. An old man said to her, Lady, we suffer a great grief. Tristan that was so loyal and so right, is dead. He was open to the poor, he ministered to the suffering. IT IS THE CHIEF EVIL THAT HAS EVER FALLEN ON THIS LAND. BUT ISOLT, HEARING THEM, COULD NOT ANSWER THEM A WORD. SHE WENT UP TO THE PALACE, FOLLOWING THE WAY, AND HER cloak WAS RANDOM AND WILD. THE Bretons MARVELED AS SHE WENT, NOR HAD THEY EVER SEEN A WOMAN OF SUCH A BEAUTY, AND THEY SAID, WHO IS SHE, AND WHENCE DOES SHE COME? NEAR TRISTAN ISOLT OF THE WHITE HANDS CROUCHED, MADDENED AT THE EVIL SHE HAD DONE. "'and calling and lamenting over the dead man. "'The other sort came in and said to her, "'Lady, rise and let me come by him. "'I have more right to mourn him than have you. "'Believe me, I loved him more.' "'And when she had turned to the east and prayed God, "'she moved the body a little and lay down by the dead man "'beside her friend. "'She kissed his mouth and his face and clasped him closely "'and so gave up her soul.' and died beside him of grief for her lover. When King Mark heard of the death of these lovers he crossed the sea and came into Brittany, and he had two coffins hewn for Tristan and Isolt, one of Chalcedony for Isolt and one of Beryl for Tristan, and he took their beloved bodies away with him upon his ship to Tintagil, and by a chantry to the left and right of the apse he had their tombs built round. But in one night there sprang from the tomb of Tristan a green and leafy briar, strong in its branches and in the scent of its flowers. It climbed the chantry and fell to root again by Isolt's tune. Thrice did the peasants cut it down, but thrice it grew again as flowered and as strong. They told the marvel to King Mark, and he forbade them to cut the briar any more. The good singers of old time, Berul and Thomas of Bilt, Gilbert and Gottfried, told this tale for lovers and none other. And, by my pen, they beg you for your prayers. They greet those who are cast down, and those in heart, those troubled and those filled with desire. May all herein find strength against inconstancy, and despite, and loss, and pain, and all the bitterness of loving. End of the death of Tristan End of part the third End of the romance of Tristan and Isolde.